I didn't come from a very wealthy family. My dad struggled as a beautician. My mom never worked, and we had four kids living in a one-bathroom house. My first memory of money was when I was in grammar school, and I'll never forget, lunch was 50 cents, and my father would give my older brother the dollar, and I would have to meet him in the hallway and get the 50 cents change so I can buy lunch. So that's when I realized how hard it is to earn and how you have to respect the value of the dollar. I want my clients to know that the value of money is important to them and it's important to me. When I'm working with their dollars, I tell them, I understand this is your hard-earned money that you worked your whole life to earn. And we're going to do the best we can to protect their assets and that we appreciate the trust they're giving us and we don't take that for granted. I think what sets us apart is I communicate with my clients regularly and I think that is the key to a client advisor relationship. And we have that open door kind of policy in our practice that they know if there's a question, they call my office, they can come in for a cup of coffee and we'll get that question answered and they have access to me at pretty much any time they want. I don't think there's one set answer what retirement should look like. I think it's different for every individual that comes into your door. It really depends on the person, what their vision of retirement is. I get great satisfaction of helping retirees live out their retirement life and designing and implementing strategies for them and helping them reach their goals. When I started this business with my dad in 1986, I never thought it would get to the point where we are today where you know, we're impacting people's lives in a positive note. I'm actually seeing where my kids have taken an interest in taking over this business with me as well. It's something that I created with my dad 30 years ago and something that hopefully will be around for another 30, 40 years when my kids are running it. I inform and empower people to make better decisions with their hard-earned money so that they can enjoy their retirement life, enjoy their retirement goals. I just help them through the process and implement a retirement income plan that allows them to do what they want. That's what I do. So you're okay. forward? Yeah, so welcome to season three. Yeah, this is season three. This is season three. What's the name of the podcast? The season three, episode one. Ep- yeah, episode season one, yeah. three, oh episode one. The ideal experience. The ideal experience? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for everybody, and especially for John, for your social media platforms, my right. na- you know, this is Ideal Experience. My name's Pauline Bajanowski. I'm here with my co-host, Chris, who happens to be my son. Um, your best looking son, are, too, by the way. <laughs> okay. Um and we're a weight loss company located in Livingston for your viewers who don't know us. Great. Um, and we have a great guest today, and it's perfect for this time, right, in the, with the market. Mm-hmm. Um, we have John Papa joining us. Thank you, John. Hey, Paulina, Thanks. how are you? Um, how they're are you? doing well. And John's doing good. the owner of Diversified Planning Strategies located in Quadwell. That's correct. Yep. Um, I've known you for a while, John. So yeah, I know you I've personally. known your family, Paulina, since... I'm gonna say the early '90s. Didn't yeah. you meet? Did you meet Al on the beach? On the beach? Is that how you no, guys actually, met? No, actually, actually met Al through uh, friends of ours, Dave Peppy, um, oh, in Dave the early Peppy. '90s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So oh, I thought he said on the beach. Oh, we could have met on the beach. Probably. It been. That's a long time ago. That's a long. Yeah. <laughs> His yeah. son just got married too, right? A couple years ago. Dave's, Who's that? Dave's yeah, son yeah, just Dave. got married. Yeah. Uh, about a year or two ago, we were at the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good time. Yeah, so thanks for joining us, nah, John. You're welcome. Glad you know, to be here. I think the time is fitting because you're a financial planner and everybody's freaked out about what's going on nah, in the market. No, there's nothing going on, right? There's, yeah, nothing's going, going on in the world, in the world right everything's now. Everything's good. Everything's great. Rates are good. Yeah, everything's good. <laughs> everything's good. Um, so, you know, I thought it was important to, to come on and, and ask you questions and, and 
and inform explain, the viewers yeah. and, ex and explain right. really what is going on in the market. Because I always say you're never no. going to lose unless you sell, and I could be completely right. wrong. Right. And that is a saying that we hear all the time. Um, and it, it is kind of true, though, too, because you don't experience the loss or, or take the loss unless you sell the security that's down. So if you're just holding on to the shares and the value of it's down, okay, yeah, on paper you're down. But that security also, most of them pay dividends and buys more shares at a lower price. So when the market does turn around, and it has turned around every time, um, you'll have more shares to to partake in the in the upside so. right okay well before we start in let's hey. tell everybody what you do john well what I'm you a, specialize in okay that's that's a great question you know we uh, i formed a company diversified planning strategies advisors i manage assets for clients all individual clients not any institutional clients or companies mm -hmm. i deal with individual people mostly you know hard-working middle-class america and we design and implement investment strategies for people to uh, so that they can improve their financial life. So if we're trying to design a plan to get them to retirement or we're trying to just build an investment nest egg, whatever, it depends on what the client's needs and wants are. So we design these strategies. I'm an independent, I'm a fiduciary, which is a huge word that's going around now, um, which means my license dictates that I have the client's uh, needs and wants over my own. So everything has to be disclosed to a client um, conflicts of interest, pros and cons of an investment strategy, how I get compensated in this in this arrangement. So that's why you want to deal with a fiduciary. It's the highest so that's standard not, of care. So that's not common practice then? No, no. Not every advisor is a fiduciary. In fact, you know, I was asked on my TV show last week, what is a person supposed to do when they're interviewing an advisor? And the first question I would ask somebody is, how do you make your potential money? advisor, no. <laughs> are you a fiduciary or not? Because if you're not a fiduciary, then I'm moving on to the next person already. You know, that, that's, that's the first qualification. If you're not a fiduciary, I'm not dealing with you. If you are a fiduciary, then we'll get into and, how do you And what does money. it entail to become one? Well, it's licensing and training and, and, and courses you have to take that are regulated by the SEC and FINRA, who are the regulatory bodies in the financial world. That's scary. Well. I mean, no, it's it's scary if you're not one. I don't know how people work. That's scary for the average not, person, right? Because they probably don't even know that. Paulina, that should be question number one. What are you a financial? Are you a, are you a fiduciary? That should be the first question out of anybody's mouth when they're interviewing an advisor. So we that would be fidelity. Right now, that's the most important. Fidelity, they're fiduciary, or no, Fisher well, Investments. You see all the time, like Fisher CNBC. Investments, right? Yeah. They, they talk about that. They say we're a fiduciary, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, you want to ask that question. That's out there now. It's all over in the financial world. You, you should be a fiduciary, working okay. with a fiduciary. So I, what's I, the second best question to ask? Second best question to ask is, uh, are you affiliated with a firm? Who are you with? Are you independent? Or are you, or are you with a big box firm like mm -hmm. Merrill Lynch, Fidelity you brought up? Mm -hmm. um, find out where that person's affiliated with. Because if they're just um, in a Merrill Lynch or a Fidelity house, then they're going to be touting and using Fidelity or Merrill Lynch products, right? whereas an independent guy like myself, I like to use the analogy of Home Depot. You come in and let's say you want to hang a picture in your house and you need a hammer, right? You go to a Fidelity or a Merrill Lynch or whoever, they're going to sell you Fidelity or Merrill Lynch hammers. Well, as an independent guy, I'm Home Depot. I have access to every hammer that's available. available. So, hey, let's go to aisle two and... I'm going to show you the hammers that we have available. Now, going back to the fiduciary question, 
a Merrill Lynch or a Fidelity guy will just sell you a 20-pound hammer, and that's a suitable recommendation for you. You wanted a hammer, they sold you a hammer, and you go off on your own. As a fiduciary, if I sold you a 20-pound hammer, I'm probably getting fined and not, not lose my license because I have to ask you a couple more questions. How's your health? Any surgical procedures you've had recently? Can you swing a 20-pound hammer? Or let's oh, go find a, a hammer a that difference. fits your specific uh, ability. So right. a fiduciary has to take that care to the next level. Hi, everyone. Thank you for watching The Ideal Experience. If you or anyone you know needs to lose weight, I have helped my clients lose over 60,000 pounds in the last 12 years. Give us a call. The office number is 973-486-6928. Enjoy the rest of the episode. So there's okay. no one size fits all then? There's, if there's one, yeah, there's never a one size yeah. fits all. If you're dealing with somebody that's every plan's exactly the same for every person, that's red flag number two, besides they're not a, being a fiduciary. So your typical investor, let's say, or are, are they called investors? Yeah, investors. We call them clients. clients. You know, so yeah. your, your typical client, are they accredited, a lot of them? Are they not accredited, well, usually? Well, that depends on the size of assets that, that they have, being an uh -huh. accredited investor or not. Most of my clients are regular, hardworking, blue-collar people yeah. that are not accredited investors, don't have a million dollars liquid assets in, it, yeah. in the market. You know. They have a couple hundred thousand they saved in an IRA for mm -hmm. all these years while they were working. And is so, their plan is just to pass it down to the kids later on or to the family at some point? Well, we see all stabilize? that. Yeah. We see all that. It depends. You know, it depends. Some of them you need it for income. You know, to, mm -hmm. in retirement, some of them want to pass it on down to their kids. They don't need the money. So yeah. it really depends. Again, back to nothing's cookie cutter. Yeah, exactly. It's all individual okay. specific to the client. Here's where my ADD kicks in because now I'm all over the place. So when you talk about a Merrill Lynch, is it is it? Listen, I don't mean to talk no, no, about no, individual not, specific no, not, companies because yeah. really, you really shouldn't be no, talking about absolutely individual yeah. specific But companies, I'm trying but. to understand. But if you're working for a bigger firm, mm -hmm. is it kind of like real estate where the realtor takes the commission and then some goes to the house per se? Yes and no. I mean, yeah, there, there's Merrill Lynch has to make okay. money somehow. So, right? Right. so, so are there just higher fees then, I should there say, could be associated higher fees, with There could be fees to buy and places. sell securities. It depends on it, it depends on what their structure is. And, and again, a fiduciary has to disclose all that. Okay. It has to say, hey, here's how I get paid. If we're going to manage assets for you, here's how I get paid. Am I going to get paid by buying and selling stocks inside your portfolio? So I might be churning your account and you'll see 30 trades a month because the more trades I make, the more money I make. Mm -hmm. Or you know, am I going to have a set fee on the number of the amount of assets that I'm managing and my compensation is tied to your account doing well. The better your account does, the better I do because the more money we manage, my fee stays the same, but it's on a larger pot of money. Yeah. So I have an incentive to build your account as much as I can. Right. Within risk, within the risk tolerance of the mm -hmm. client, but my job is to work for you and to build your portfolio as best I can within that risk level. And my compensation is tied to that because I get paid based on the amount of assets I'm managing for you. And I, I've seen a lot of guys too get a little aggressive with their trading strategies and they get popped for that, right? Well, yeah. pop for us. Yeah. What's that called again? It's called churning. You're churning, churning. an account. Because I saw, I saw one case, it was, called, it was aggressive, I forget the term that they use, but they, they made like something a, a crazy amount of trades in such right. a short period of time because right. you want to collect those fees. Well, that's one of the questions you're going to ask an advisor in that in that interview with the advisor. Besides, are you a fiduciary or not? Are you independent mm -hmm. or with a specific firm? Uh, how do you get paid? Are you paid via transaction trades or are you a percentage of assets of, under management? 
Those are all the questions you want to ask mm -hmm. uh, and know up front before you hire an Yeah, advisor. that's crazy because by the time you pay fees sometimes and then taxes on top of it, yeah, it yeah. could be Depending a big chunk of Depending on the account set up, taxes could be a big thing. But I was reading an article and they said people that really do the investment over a 25-year period may get 5% return if you work with somebody. It's an over 8% usually. So it, that's a big difference in Where'd money. Did you hear that? I was reading something and it said, you know, people that work, that try to do it on their own. Right. Do and it open up accounts, do it. Yeah. Right. They don't get their, the return. I mean, Paulina, every situation could be different. I mean, you, if you, you are do it yourself or, and you buy an S&P 500 index fund and let it just sit there for 30 years, you'll probably do more than 5%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you, you're not going to capture the big 40%, 50% gains in a year. Um, you know, as if you bought some Amazon stock or Apple mm -hmm. stock, where who they have the potential to grow hundreds of percents. Tesla right? calls. Tes Tesla calls, right? So, <laughs> so yes and no to that question. You, okay. you, a person could do it yourself and earn five percent or eight percent because they just pick a, a bland S and P five hundred fund, and over time they perform very well. John, right. do you like REITs? Uh, I don't. And there's or the reason why I don't is because of the liquidity of the mm -hmm. REIT. You know. Clients like independence. They like to know that, hey, if I want to get out of this thing at, for whatever reason, I want to be able to sell it mm -hmm. and get out. Um, I'm on the same page, too. I, I dislike I don't like REITs. The, the, the reason why they pay high dividends and you get high yield from them is because they control your money. Yeah, they, they, you don't know what you're buying I'd rather either. get a little less and yeah. have access to my funds. Do most financial advisors deal in life insurance? Uh, that's a pretty good question. Uh, I'm not sure. The, like... The big wirehouse box wirehouse places, I would say no to that. They're just dealing in the Wall Street world. See, we, we use you a, use everything. Like yeah, yeah, that's the amazing if, thing. You, what you remember in our meetings with your mom, the the few that you came into, we split a fiduciary calls a diversified portfolio, not a mixture of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. That's that's the Wall Street world. Every investment in the Wall Street world, regardless of what it is, has an element of risk. Okay, to me, that's not a diversified portfolio. And you can see it today in 2022. Not only are stocks down, mutual funds are down, equities are down, but bonds are down, too, because interest rates are rising. So what used to be a safe haven where the broker would tell you we have a mixture of bonds in your portfolio to reduce risk in your portfolio. Well, I've seen bonds that are down 15 percent this year, and that's supposed to be the safe haven of the right. Wall Street. And it's world. not. That's not a diversified portfolio. A diversified portfolio is one that mixes the three different investment worlds. You can put your money in basically three different spots. The banks, insurance companies, and Wall Street. And my job as a fiduciary is to explain to you the pros and cons and purpose of each one of those worlds. And I believe you should have some money in all of them because they have specific purposes. Money in a bank, for instance. I talk about this all the time. Clients, you know, you should have enough money in a bank, six months of expenses or even a year if you feel more comfortable that way, but it, because it's liquid and it's safe. Right. It's never going to go down. It's never not going to be there, right? And it's liquid. In 30 seconds, you can go to the teller and withdraw however much money you want, mm -hmm. and you get it, right? But the negative to a bank is... It's no return. You get no interest on the money there. It's sitting there. Right. Inflation sitting there. kills you. But it, it is killing you. But when you know that's really just your emergency fund, 
I don't care if it pays any interest. And I'll tell my clients, I agree don't be with driving you. up and down Bloomfield Avenue looking for what bank's giving you a better interest yeah. rate because you're just wasting gas. Yeah. And right now, gas is crazy. But <laughs> yeah. I don't care. The purpose of the money in the bank is an emergency fund. Yeah. Right. I agree so you with you. you can go to a teller and get We're not building your wealth in a bank. Mm-hmm. It's for emergency. So just leave it there. Earn nothing. I don't yeah. care. We're going to build your wealth in the insurance world and in the Wall Street world. So the insurance world, there's fixed annuity contracts that your mom has some of them that provide protection, but also growth. Now, she's earned probably around 5 6% per year over time in, an, in that investment with no risk to her money. Yeah, I like That's insurance. Safety. That's safety. We use insurance, like insurance all the time. I love it. We, and we also have investments for inflationary protection and long-term growth. So if I take a client, for example, who has a million dollars, right? We want to leave $100,000 in a bank for liquidity. I don't care what the interest rate you're earning. We put a couple hundred thousand in the insurance-based product that can't go down. And then we put the rest of it in Wall Street. So now, let's say we put 400000 in the insurance world, 100000 in the bank. So half of that person's money cannot go down because of the markets. What about multifamily? Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. So so the third bucket is the Wall Street bucket that's got $500,000 in it. And that's going to be invested in a risk-tolerance strategy based on what the client's risk is, not what my risk is. So we, we have tools that can measure risk. So the higher the risk, the higher the returns, the larger the roller coaster you're going to be on. So we'll tailor that third world to the client's specific risk tolerance. How about to their age, too? Age is a big big part of of when you're measuring risk for a client. Because if you're 30 years old, you should be on the roller coaster. If you're 70 years old, that roller coaster's got to be like it's a small world at Disney World. Right. And if you're <laughs> you know, 50. A really small. 50, you could still be taking some 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 nice risk to get growth because life expectancy is getting longer and longer right. and longer. A 50-year-old expects to live till he's mid-80s. That's 35 years. So you have time to recover. So you should still be in a sort of an aggressive portfolio. So back to the diversification, though. So in that scenario... Half of the client's money is invested in Wall Street in a risk-tolerant investment strategy. The other half of their money can't go down. So times like now when the market's going crazy and, and they're down 30% for the year, well, in that strategy, that client's probably down 5% for the year. They're not freaking out. They're not making panic decisions. They're not getting emotional. They're not making crazy decisions. And you're just staying the course because you have your money in a truly diversified portfolio. Wall Street guys, the big wirehouses you were talking about, they only want your money in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. That's it. That's that's all at risk. It's just a different type of risk. Type, yeah. So that's well, not that, a diversified. That, that's the one but thing that stood out about you. They're selling that as a, as, a, as a diversified portfolio. Yeah, but that stood out about you is that you do. Because right. I like I like life insurance. Right. Life insurance, like, fixed index annuities, protection. you got to talk about protection when you're with clients. Now, 22-year-olds, you don't need to be in the insurance world right now. You need to be aggressive in your portfolio and invest because even though you're buying Amazon, Apple, Tesla, Microsoft, even though they're down right now, you're buying them at 30% discounts. Those companies are going to be, they're the leading companies in the world, right? right. So go 20 years up. from now, you're going to be making tons of money with those companies. So buy as much as you can, be aggressive for the younger people. Right. Older people, you can't be like that. So life insurance. What's the difference between universal and whole? 
That's a great question. Universal um, is basically a combination of mutual funds and term life insurance. Whole life insurance is more like a vanilla, you have guarantees written into the contract, it can never go away, can never explode. It's, it's more money than, than universal, but it's filled with guarantees. So if a person can afford the premiums in whole life, my opinion is that's the better insurance to buy. Now, you're not going to get the mutual fund gains like you could get in a universal life policy, but you're also not going to get losses in it. And it, in a universal life contract, I go to, when I compare the two, I go to the page that shows me what is the guarantee in this thing. Can this policy ever blow up on a client? Which means 30 years from now, if the markets don't do well, that policy could go away, not by the client's choice, because the, the investment choices you okay. chose. Whole life insurance, you sign a contract the day you buy it, that contract will be there till the day you die. I don't care if it's 150 years old. Can you borrow against both of them? Yes, you can. If you borrow against a universal life policy, you're even making it more risky because now you're taking money out yeah. of that contract. Now it's got less guarantees. If the market turns south like it is now and you've borrowed out of your universal life cash value, you're exposing that contract to blowing up and losing the death benefit and that's really bad. So the whole so whole life people still will borrow against but it just means the death payout is less. Will is come that correct? Down. It, right. Or come down. Right. Yeah. But you can also pay it back. See, I have clients tons of clients that have whole life insurance and they borrow against it. They'll pay an interest rate. So I'll give you an example. Is Say, it normally low? Yeah, lower the interest, the, yeah. No, the interest rates are probably like six, five to 7%, right? But here's the big difference. In a whole life policy, let's say you had $100,000 and you needed forty grand to go buy a car. And the car, even though car rates are low now, but they're starting to rise. But let's say you, you don't have great credit, so you can't get a car loan, right? You could take the money out of your life insurance policy. There is no application. You get the money when you ask for it. So there's And there's no timetable to pay the money back. So you can tailor the loan to payments that fit yourself. But here's the, the best thing about borrowing against a whole life policy. Go back to the example, you have 100,000, you take 40 out to buy a car, right? Your policy, like there's not little some uh, safety deposit box in the insurance company that says I'm taking 40,000 out of Paulina's account and giving it to her so she only has $60,000 left. No, they take it out of their reserves, give you the 40 grand, they charge a loan interest rate on it, but your $100,000 is still earning interest to the tune of five to 7%. So it's like a net zero interest loan. I have clients that do that all the time. Yeah. Borrow on it, you wanna go buy a car? Buy it from, borrow from your life insurance policy, get a payment schedule, pay it back, so you, you, you're all in, paid in full when you're done. Um, and if you miss a payment, no one's coming not, knocking Knock on your door, on door with a tow right. truck to take the car away. It's the best place to go for short-term loans, okay, is your own whole life policy. I use it a lot. In and then, no, I love, I love, love, use it, love a lot. it. I, I, um, and that's also, it's tax-free, right, for, for, for whoever you're leaving your life insurance well, the, policy. The death benefits. The death benefits, are right? Are tax-free regardless of what type of insurance it is. Term, right. whole life, universal so, life. When you collect uh, a death benefit, it's income tax-free. Right, There's so that's no a great way to leave Absolutely. your money to your children. Absolutely. Without them being, Absolutely. being hit with taxes. And multifamily real estate, but we'll get to that he in a little bit. He loves multifamily real estate. 
He's going to. I think it's the best investment vehicle ever made. Real estate property, you mean like yeah. multifamily homes 30, and things 40, like that? 50, 60 apartment units. buildings? Yeah. Yeah. Because hyperinflation periods, the price of the asset goes through the roof. Yeah, but just you need a lot of money to buy them, though. You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. you got to. I don't know. What's a typical example of um, what would a 40 unit building cost? So 250 a door, 250 to 280 a door. All right, so do the math. You need a down payment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to put a, pretty, a lot of money down yeah, for that. Definitely. So if you have a ton of money, that's how the wealthy people do it. Really wealthy people yeah. do it. They're not, you know, buying, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, REITs and things like that. No, They're buying buildings. Not. Exactly. I, I get it. I, I yeah. get it. But for the smaller client that I have, you know, the individual client, not a lot of people have enough money to go buy a 30-unit, 40-unit yeah. building. Yeah. yeah. Well, the family offices, too, if you could find one yeah. to, to partner up with. Absolutely. Unless you buy whole life and take well, the you'd loan have to out. Really put, you'd right, have to Luke? Really I'm put, thinking Luke's in the background. You'd have to really put a lot of money into, into it. That. Well, too. when you have a whole life policy, how long before you can, you're vested where you can be taking loan? Well, that's a great question, Paulina. And in reality, the earlier years, really the insurance company's making all the money because I think actually after the first one or two years, you have no cash value. But you've paid a lot of premiums. Right. But from like the third year on, you're, you're making money, money on your premium deposits going in. I just sat, I've, I just sat with a client. Uh, actually, talked to a client on the phone. Going to go meet him in August to go over their policy. This guy took a Guardian Whole Life policy with me in 1992. So it's 30, 30 years old, I think. Almost 30 years old. And he puts in a couple hundred dollars a month. His cash value increases. So I asked him on the phone. He was wanted to cancel it. I'm like, I won't tell you, say his name. I'll just say his name is Joe. I go, Joe, let me ask you a question. Where could you give somebody, you put in $4,000 a year for this whole life policy, right? Next year's cash value increase is going to be $9,000. So in one year, you gave the insurance company four grand. At nine. They're increasing your cash value by nine. Right. Guaranteed. No market, you know what's going on in the market. You're still getting that gain. You call me up as an investor and say, John, I'm going to give you four grand. Can you make sure it's 9,000 when I get done 12 months from now? Absolutely not. So your policy now, after 30 years, you're printing money with that contract. Keep paying the 4,000 and keep making nine. And that increases every year. Keep making, the next year it's going to be 10,000 on your 4,000. 11,000 on your 4,000. Just keep doing it. They, I know that there's some, uh, to me, they're elaborate kind of setups where they, they make their home the LLC. The kids are involved. They do whole life. People borrow for college. It, it's a generational yeah, kind yeah, of absolutely. It's generational wealth. You, and, uh, you know, I talk about generational wealth. You know, guess where Walt Disney got most of his money to start his first Disney, Disneyland? Life insurance? His life insurance policy. He, yeah. got re- he got rejected for loans. So he had a pretty big, substantial whole life policy. He borrowed from his life insurance policy to start Disneyland in California. Yeah. See? What's the return on that investment? I, I just, yeah, I, I just Billions. always think that it's just not. Billions. People don't realize How are we on that the one? benefits Good. of it. Nice. Yeah, the benefits of People insurance. don't like life insurance because they don't want to talk about death. Death. That's but the whole But these thing. cash value building policies are more about financial planning than they are about death. Yeah, just as just as important. And and I and I do think it's one of the ways to leave your kids money. It is a great way to leave it's your kids great. money. People get too emotional. We're all going to die at some point, so you might as well bring it up. Yeah, now. they don't yeah. want to talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah. So I don't want just I want to transition a little bit to you know the current state of the market. 
What's going on right now? Well, the market's volatile. I mean, yeah. the, the market's volatile. People are panicking. They're nervous. They're selling. Um, they're making crazy decisions. You got everything's everything's going down right now, which is very rarely happens. Like typically, like we talked about before, typically you use bonds and fixed income strategies as a safe haven towards equities. Yeah. So uh, people do a 60-40 mix. You've heard of that 60-40 mm-hmm. portfolio. Mm-hmm. That portfolio in 2022 was down almost 30%. That's crazy. So what crazy. you thought was safe, 40% of your money was safe in bonds, has gotten crushed because interest rates are, are high. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's what happened. We had a market crash. We had a, a recession in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. We needed to go into recession. The real estate industry collapsed. The banks collapsed. And, uh, investment companies, Lehman Brothers collapsed. We needed to go into a recession. Their unemployment was through the roof. Nobody was working. Wages were down. The loans being taken loans out. Loans were given to people with no background checks. And everything all at once. There were red flags everywhere. everywhere. And the and the country went into a huge recession, right? In 2008. Now, what, how did we get out of it? Well, the government started printing money and, and really pumping money into the markets. So we've been in a really false bull run since 2008. So 14 years of really fake bull run because the government just kept on pumping money into the system to keep the markets afloat. But it was only supposed to be temporary until we recovered and went back to people working and saving money, like normal markets. Right. But we've been in a fake market for basically 14 years. So that stimulated the economy, stimulated the markets. The markets went up, so everyone thought they could invest. And now we're $30 trillion in debt from all this fake money that was pumped into the markets. Being printed, yeah. Money being printed by the Federal Reserve for 14 years. And it just has come to a head now. It's like... This can't happen anymore. We can't sustain it. And now interest rates have to rise because inflation is at the highest it's been in 40 years. We haven't seen 8.6% inflation in, in, since Jimmy Carter was the president. Yeah. And um, it's all come to a head now. And now everything's everything's getting affected by it. I, I saw a stat. I don't know if it's true or not because you hear a bunch of stats that 40% of all money in circulation right now was printed in the last 18 months. I I didn't hear that exact stat, but I heard some, something similar to that. And I, I Which is that. crazy. I believe that. So, so when people say, well, this was an in- inevitable, this was going to happen no matter what, that's really not true. No, it is true. We were on this path. We yeah. just didn't know when it was going to happen. When but you, the additional printing of the money. Right. It was supposed to stop. It was supposed to stop yeah. the bleeding in 2008 and maybe you know a year or two after that we get settled, yeah. everybody calm down and go back to normal where... Companies are reporting earnings, they're selling goods and services, people are buying them, and it was supposed to go back to normal. That's how normal markets work. But we didn't go back to normal. We kept on printing money. You know, the Fed was buying buying notes every every yeah. month. Hundreds of billions of dollars of they were buying securities every month, printing money and funneling it back into the markets, which propped the markets up, but eventually the the cards are going to fall. And we're right. not backed by anything anymore. You no, it's see a house gold of cards. And, yeah. right. No, it's, But no. You, you heard of the modern monetary theory. Am I saying mm-hmm. that right? If yeah, you're yeah. the world, world leading economy, you're allowed right. to print. Right. But when you're not, you got to stop the printing. You have to. And we never yeah. stopped. And we never stopped. I always say to Chris, and we're still going. Financial advice. Right. We're still, we're still just we're printing still nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're trying to taper it down. They're trying to stop. 
Um, but they're not. They haven't. That's why, like, when I see money in my bank account, like, I, it, it frightens me because there's more of it. It's not becoming scarce. It's becoming right. abundant now. Right. And I, I don't like seeing money just sitting there. It drives me insane. Well, unfortunately, the young people are the ones that are going to pay. The kids and grandkids. Right. Oh, yeah. They're, they're the ones. Like, 20, 30 years from now, God, God knows what the tax rates are going to be then. Because right. there's going to be just a tsunami of red ink. and Yeah, it's, big time. It's scary. Sri Lanka. But I always say that, you know, the financial advisors, it's it's good to have one who's experienced and who has seen the ebbs and flows of the market. Right. Right? Like it, if you, if you are, that's, that's a great point. If you start working with a financial advisor, start in this business 2010, right? Let's just use that as an example. He, that, that person's if, got 12 years of experience. Yeah. He's out yeah. there touting, i got 12 years experience. I've been around no, the don't. block. <laughs> you got 12 years of experience of a fake market. Uh, right. Yeah. A monkey in the last 12, 14 years could throw a dart at a new stock paper and pick stocks Spot, that yeah. were going to go up. You need to deal with somebody who's been around and saw 2008, dealt exactly. with 2000, dealt, dealt with the dot-com With all those phone issue, calls coming all the in. Phone and, calls. Yeah. What do we do? How do we protect ourselves? Which That's how we develop this truly diversified portfolio strategy it's not all in wall street it's in the other it can't be other places where you can get safety in your mind the the day lehman collapsed how many phone calls did you get that day oh my god take us to that day take us to that day Hundreds. what happened well no one thought that was going to happen right? no of course and, not. and i'll give you the so that day happens the markets are collapsing people don't realize you know how many Everyone goes to banks for safety and because we have FDIC insurance mm-hmm. and all that. But you know how many banks have gone under in the last 20 years have become insolvent? And then bought, Thousands yeah. of banks have become insolvent because they loan money out to, to bad creditor, bad people who can't afford to repay They're the loans. They're over-leveraged. They don't have enough money, assets to... A bank basically loans out 90-some-odd yeah. percent of the money they take in in deposits. Yep. So... If we all went to our bank today, every person went to the bank today to take our money out, that bank's going under because they don't have the money. Okay. So back in the same time, two things happened. AIG was having problems in 2008 and Lehman Brothers was having problems in 2008. The government let Lehman Brothers collapse because when you put your money in Lehman Brothers, you were investing it Mm -hmm. in risk. When you put money with an insurance company, they have guarantees. In that, in that, in those products that you bought, yeah, the federal government bailed out AIG. No one really knows knows that or talks about it, because it was an insurance company. So they couldn't let that company go under. And in the history of the United States, not one person has ever lost a penny from an insurance company going under because yeah, of the be guarantees yeah. and the protections that these companies have. Well, the markets that you put your money with Lehman Brothers or any of these other ones that we mentioned before, you're risking your money. You could wake up tomorrow and there's no money there. You're taking risk with your portfolio. So the government can't bail those people out. You knew the risk going in. Mm-hmm. So that back to that day, it was crazy. The Lehman Brothers goes down. Now everybody starts panicking. The market just tanks, tanks yeah. because everyone starts selling, going to cash. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's it was, it was a crazy day. It was crazy. Probably over 100 phone calls just in the morning. A day. Yeah. Min- minimal. I-, I don't remember the exact number, but it was just ringing off the hook. Yeah. You know, that's and, scary. Yeah, it really is. And that's why, you know, you got to communicate with your clients. You know, to be a successful advisor, it's more about the client advisor uh, communication, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why you do your dinners at the end of the every We do year. dinners. Yeah. We send out quarterly reports every three months uh, on the investment with the investments. Every three months, my clients get a report. It's basically a report card. Mm-hmm. How did we do for the quarter? Now, this quarter wasn't great. 
So I've gotten calls about it. You know, listen, I'm not gonna. It's not only good. There's gonna be bad, and we gotta report it. It raises a red flag. Generates to be always the conversation. Be good. Yeah, that generates the conversation, and that's why we want to have at least every three months on the money in Wall Street. Let's talk about what's going on. Okay. Um, yeah. With insurance companies, you do more of a yearly review kind of thing because mm-hmm. nothing really changes during the year. So you're doing yearly reviews on that. But on the investment side, we're communicating on a regular basis. And that, to me, is the key to a successful relationship between a client and an advisor. 100%. That's why you don't lose, we don't lose clients. It just, it just when you, you, know, you listen to everybody and, and, and when you, you middle America, it's hard that they're invested so much into Wall Street. Right. Because... You got a mortgage. It's, it's, risky. Your, yeah. it's, it's very, Wall very risky. Invests trillions of dollars in marketing for you to believe that your money has to be in whatever Wall Street product they're touting. You know, you guys mentioned the the, the guy before. I'm not going to say his name. You know, he hates annuities. That guy. You know, really? I would like to debate that guy and sit down with him and say, okay, so take a portfolio. You have uh, all in Wall Street. And that client's down 30% today in that 60-40 mix, whereas my client, who has half their money in Wall Street, half of it in guaranteed positions outside of Wall Street, right. who's only down 8% in this year, you're going to tell me an annuity or whatever product we're using is bad for the client? No, because really? he's making all the money. Right. Right. Well, yeah, because right, uh, the middle right. America, the middle class. They make way more money on Wall Street than they do in these Absolutely. annuity contracts. So you they don't advertise. They that. don't advertise it. They you're say giving... you're getting robbed. You're buying an annuity or life insurance. You're getting robbed. It's no, you're all commission. It's all com- that's total BS. You're not. You're giving the middle class uh, a tool to to do great things, but you're not putting them in there as a gamble. No, Pauline, you used a great word, a tool. Right. I use that in my practice all the time. I use the Home Depot analogy, but we use financial tools. Why wouldn't you use? all of the financial tools right. at your disposal. Why are you going to pigeonhole yourself into just using Wall Street tools? Because the real wealthy, the real wealthy don't put everything, they, they don't do everything in, in Wall absolutely Street, but, but, the, but the middle class thinks that's the way to go. That's exactly, because they're listening yeah. and believing this propaganda that comes out of Wall Street, billions of dollars or trillions of dollars in advertising to brainwash right. you into thinking that's the only way you can get be successful. Yeah. That's totally not true. You come out with student debt, then you go and buy a house, then you got a mortgage, so you yeah. got two things you got to deal with. You might have some money to invest left over, but you might not. Right. And then you never get ahead. It's impossible, plus the inflation. Yeah. Well, right now, yeah, plus yeah. the inflation's killing people. What do you think, what do you see changing as far as, I mean, we know that the markets are, are bad, but any, any um, policy changes that you see coming down the pike? Um, you know, Good I think or it, bad? I, I think it. I think right now the Federal Reserve is going to be raising interest rates, and they've been doing that for the last couple of monthly meetings that they have. And they first started out with 50 basis point increases in interest rates. Mm-hmm. So we've seen in the last couple of months mortgage rate, mortgage interest has doubled where it was like six months ago. You can get a 30-year fixed mortgage like 2.5%. Now it's 5.5% right. a couple of months later. So what the Fed, the, the only mechanism the Fed has to combat 8.6% inflation is to raise interest rates. So they already went to, it was supposed to only be like 10, 50 basis point rate increases Mm-hmm. In the next six to eight months, well, they've already switched to 75 basis point increases. So the last one they had was 75 basis points. They're already talking about the July one, the end of this month. It's going to be another 75 basis points. So that is eventually going to start ratcheting down the inflationary number from 8.6. He says he wants to get the chairman, Fed chairman, Powell. says he wants to get it down to two. Okay. 
it's going to be a lot of 75 basis point increases to get it down to two where from where it is now. So I think once the Fed starts getting this in inflation down, and that'll free up so the price of gas and, and the price of goods and services is going to go down. That'll allow people to start spending some money again. And our economy is You think that's going to bring the gas down? Well, it's going to, well, it already has. If, if, if look, the last two weeks, gas is it's, down about yeah. 20 cents a gallon. Yeah. Is it going back down to $2.5 a, no. a gallon? No, not anytime soon. But from five, over $5 to four sixty in the last yeah. few weeks. No, there has to be some major policy changes to get that to happen. I'm not sure if that's happening. And I don't know, we talked about not being a political show. Um, right. But there have to be some major policy changes in our government to get gas back to where it was. I don't know if that's happening. But the Federal Reserve bringing in, uh, inflation down is going to also bring energy down somewhat to, to help with for individual people. Right. Do you like Powell? I, do I, I mean, I like him. I don't know the guy from personally, but, yeah. but I think I think he got stuck behind the eight ball. He was he was reactive instead of being proactive. Proactive, you know. Same thing with Yellen too. Yeah, they I mean, all, she saw. Yeah. I mean, if yeah, you couldn't they, see they inflation know. coming, they yeah, they, they knew it was coming. Same thing going back to 08. All the big institutions Six knew. Six months ago, they were happen. telling us it was transitory. It's going to be short <laughs> yeah. term. Really? Yeah, but because it, it doesn't really affect them. And they talk about quantitative half easing. Believe, it doesn't and, affect. Half the people believe it. Again, we don't want to get political, but, yeah. but yeah. half the people believe it's only going to be transitory. But in reality, there's no way it was going to be transitory. It's, there's so much damage that's you already can't done. You move it that yeah. fast. It's not transitory. It's crazy. Right. It's. Um, I want to sink my change, teeth in a little bit, but yeah. I, I want to talk to you about 401ks. What about them? There's so many different 401ks out there, and how does the average person, or you know, if you if you work for a company, they'll they'll give you a choice of where you want to put your money and what kind of right. 401k, and the average person probably picks. Well, the, I like number three. Let me try three. Well, the first thing you need to know is the history of the 401k. All right. Back when our parents were working, if you worked for a company mm -hmm. in the 60s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, you worked for IBM or GE or GM, you worked there for 40 years and you retired. You Not only did you get the gold watch when you retired, but you got what they call a pension plan. Right. So that company invested money in their employees. And when you, the longer you worked there, the higher this payment was going to be. So you retired, you got a pension. Well, in the mid 80s, the government changed the rules on everybody and said, you know what? We're taxing corporations, that, right? No, corporations were tired of, of funding the cost of retirement for people. So they said, we're not doing pensions anymore. They created the 401k, which put all of the onus on the employee now. Now the employee has to invest money in a, in a retirement plan, has to pick their investment choices, okay? And they're responsible for their own retirement. There's no more pensions anymore from companies. You know, those days are over. So were the pensions in the 401ks taxed the same at the end? Yeah, it's all taxed it's at ordinary all, income. Okay. So, so what happened now is so the 401k was created, and now the individual invests in the 401k, and the money grows to a certain pot when you, you get at retirement age, and then that pot, you start taking distributions out of it, and it's completely taxable to you, 100%. At whatever tax bracket you're in, at retirement so the sales pitch back then was save as much as you can you get a tax deduction for your contribution but you don't know what the tax rates are going to be when you retire so think about that imagine going to playing any sports game or any game and you don't know what the rules are 
but they want you to play the game and you invest your money in that game. Right. How would I know to save money? How do I know if my million dollar pot at 65 is going to be good enough if I don't know what the tax rates are going to be when I'm 65 years old? That's the game everyone's playing. But no one talks about it. Nobody talks about it. Everybody is out there going, maximize, maximize. Fund as much as you can into the 401k. Grow this pot to a million, a million five. I advise the complete opposite of that. I want you to have the million five or whatever that number is invested at retirement, but I want it to be in tax-free buckets. Right. Minimal taxes. I deal with a lot of retirees, and they're coming in my office now. They got this great 401k that they invested their whole life, and now you start talking to them about, okay, your distribution this year is... $60,000 out of the out of this retirement plan plus your social security and and people still might have a small little pension now cuz they're not completely out of it you add up all that income you're in a, a higher tax bracket than when you were working so now they're like well how do i get out of that and the answer is you can't you can't the answer is you tell younger people today don't save all the money in a 401k i advise to you, all young people Save if the company provides a match. A lot do, but not all of them. If, if the company provides a match, you invest in the 401k up to the match. Then you take the rest of the money that you were going to put into that 401k and save it in your own Roth IRA. Roth IRA is completely tax free. Now, you don't get the annual con tax deduction on that money going into the Roth, but I now have all the years of growth tax free and, you're not, and yeah, all the years free. of distributions tax-free. Right. So I want that $1.5 million pot at 65, but if I can have 500000 in the 401k that's taxable, and I have the million dollars in a Roth IRA that's tax-free, that's a better strategy in my in my. I, uh, no, I agree with you. What is that tax? 35 40% when you go to pull? What we just talked about. I don't know what the tax you is. Oh, you don't know. 35 years from now, think about this. That's it's crazy. 35 change. years from now, we have $30 trillion in debt right now. We're, we pay, I think, $2 trillion a year just in interest payments on the debt that we owe, right? It's crazy. And I think in five years, there's going to be more retired people in the United States than there are working people. So they're going to have the to go after. The population is shifting. Now, those retired people need Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, all these entitlement programs. The tax rates 35 years from now, if you talk to a 22-year-old, the tax rates then are going to be way higher than they are now or this country's gonna collapse because they're not gonna be able to pay for anything. So I don't know what the tax rate's gonna be. That's, That's what crazy. I said before. Why would we you think about starting and playing a game and you don't know what the rules are. Yeah. And they want you to save as much as you can in this pot, but you don't know what the costs are gonna be later on. Like if you told me you start today and I know the federal tax rate's gonna be 25% when you retire, that's written in stone, well yeah. I can plan for that. I don't know what the tax rate's gonna be. That's bad. That's horrible. So opening up a Roth IRA, are they all the same? Oh, the, listen, the rules are made by the IRS. So if you open up a Roth IRA, it could be at a bank, a bank in a savings account. Right. It could be in a brokerage account at an investment company. It could be in an insurance product. They could be titled as Roth IRAs. You get the same tax benefits. It's the same thing. No matter where it sits. Okay. The rules are the same. It's just what you're going to invest your money in is going to be different. So right. 
Yeah, yeah. A, a, a Roth IRA is the same no matter where you put it. A 401k is technically the same no matter what company you're working for. Some might have more investment choices than others, but the rules of the, of the 401k tax-wise are all the same. The IRS sets those rules. It doesn't okay. matter what company you work for. And the that rules changes. Are the same. What's the difference is how many choices do you have to invest the money? If, is there going to be a match or not? A company's not forced to match your contribution. Right. Okay. Some companies do, some don't. You're not forced to do that. Okay. What's the best way to, to earn compound interest? Just start investing in, in time. Any- it's time. Compound interest is, the benefit of compound interest is the time that you have for it to compound. So the earlier you start, the better off you're going to be later on. So if you start at 22 years old and going to save $100 a month and 40 years later, that compounding of interest over 40 years is going to be huge. If you start at 27 years old and lose five years, you're going to have a big difference in how much money you're going to have at 65 years old. So compound interest, the biggest factor in it is time. So the earlier you start, the the better. better off you are. The better. If you yeah. want that same amount of money later on, but start later, you got to invest more to, right. to compensate for that time. For the time time is the key to compound interest. They should have taught this in school. No. No. They should still. They, they'll they'll they, never. They taught nothing. They didn't why, teach why you in college. Why would they? Why would they? Learn it's to save, budget, all of it. None of that. It's crazy. It's all that they BS. Don't. <laughs> it's all BS. It's all there should BS. be a college course. My, we talked about it all the time. When my daughter graduated a while ago. Uh, he just graduated. There's got to be a course on life. A life course. A life course. This is, yeah. this is how you balance. And this is how you write a check. That? Right. Nobody. I want no, no. I want to see what their life is like. The oh, guy yeah. teaching. Yeah. I yeah. have to tell you, some kids in their twenties that come in here, or they pick up food for their parents, they have a check. They don't know how to write it out. They don't even, they don't even know what a checkbook looks like. No. No. So forget balance it. Yeah. That well, this whole generation with you know communication um, skills Venmo lack in this whole communication. And they don't even have a concept of money because they no. never see it. They never see it. They, they don't Venmo touch it. it. They, it's right. not real. It's fake. It's not tangible. That's why you see a lot of doctors blow their money because they never it's just digits to athletes, them. Athletes. Athletes same, same thing. it's just digits, yeah. yeah. No, it's crazy. What do you think about crypto? Um, you know, I don't really have I don't invest any money in crypto just to be put it out there. Yeah. I don't have any money in it. Um, it's an unregulated uh, decentralized, security. yeah. I'm not a believer in it. And it was touted as something different than the markets. So when the markets are collapsing, you have your money in crypto, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Really? I saw crypto, uh, Bitcoin was at 69,000 high. It's now breaking 19 or 20 or whatever. 20 around there. So wait, I thought it was not supposed to be affected by market conditions. Yeah. Well, that's not true. Yeah, they they, they pinned it to the market basically. So now it's unregulated. So it's an unregulated security. It is tied to the markets. Mm-hmm. Why would I invest in it? So it's just like investing in anything else. Well, all the wealthy people invested in it and then pulled. Yeah, they made money. They made the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As a regular person, I wouldn't put any money into it. I, I think in five it. years, it's going to be a lot more. It, all right. Then I'll look at it five years from now. Yeah. Right now, it's like the wild, wild west. Yeah. And as a fiduciary, I can't put my clients' no, money No, definitely in not. Yeah. I can't no, buy it you myself. Can't I, I, you can't it's, answer it's anything. Unregulated. Yeah, it's yeah. unregulated. So you can't you can't advise a client to invest their money in something that's unregulated by the SEC or by the regulatory bodies. Right. So I can't even offer it to clients. Yeah, interesting. Thank God, because I, I wouldn't want to right now. <laughs> no, this, this is good. So, it's John, crazy. tell everybody about your um, radio, like what, what you're doing now. Yeah, where can they find you? Yeah. So I got yeah. a couple. I got a, uh, two different two different ventures, right? So we we started a show called the. Uh, actually, we but we could cut this out. I just want to make okay. sure we have enough time on this. To get yeah, this I want to hear this. Okay. 
values. Ask that question again. Where can you find John? Okay, so John, tell everybody about your radio show and where they can find you and listen listen to more. Right, so we actually started uh, two different ventures, right? We, we do a TV show on New Jersey 12 Network. It's on Saturdays and Sundays at 8 a.m. It's called The Papa Report. It's a half-hour show uh, all about current things that are going on in, in, in the financial world. It's, you know, me and a host in studio uh, sh- sh- talking about different things uh, about finances for clients. And... We also do a radio show on WNYM, 970 AM, uh, The Answer. 970 AM. 970 AM on the dial. This little radio lingo is totally different than regular lingo. They call it on the dial. And um, it's broadcast on Saturdays at 9 AM and rebroadcast on Sunday at 1 PM in the afternoon. So it's an hour show about, again, current topics that are affecting in finance. Uh, People, market risk, taxes, Inflation, estate issues, estate planning, things like that, life insurance, all kinds of things. Is it question and answer? I mean, people do, can call in? We do. They can't call in. It's a recorded show. They can't call in, but we do answer. They have a bank of questions from people that we answer. At least mm-hmm. the last segment of the show was always five questions and answers from people that had called in to previous shows about specific financial questions. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, they can't call in, but they can listen to it for an hour. They'll get a lot of insight. Uh, we just, they started airing last week. have been working on it for a couple months now, and they just started airing last week. So it's pretty cool. Pretty that's awesome. that's great. Good for you. That's yeah, great. Yeah, pretty that's excited awesome. about it. And um, you can also reach John at 973-226-6000. That's our office number. Right? That's Susie's your office there. number. She's there now. She'll pick up the she's phone. She's really sweet. She's really sweet, Susie. I think, in fact, I said this on my, my TV show. Her. I think she's <laughs> My clients like her better than me. No, <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't know about that, John. So we laugh about that. But, yeah, and we're also on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram, DPS Advisors. Uh, we're on Instagram. I just started that, too. Nice. Facebook. I wasn't on social media. Uh, uh, I tried to stay away from social media, but they're telling me now with the radio show, the TV show, you need to have it. You need to be on it. So we created pages, um, so you can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, my Facebook TikTok I think yet? Is, Any TikToks? No, nah, I'm not a TikTok guy. I, I don't think I'll ever be a TikTok guy. Don't say never. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I won't. I won't. I just uh, only because I know who owns TikTok, and I'm not going that. I'm principal. Okay, I'm principal. I got you. I'm not going I got down you. that route. I got you. If you want to find me, you can find me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So anything you want to touch on before we, we end the show that you think we didn't cover? I mean, I think we, no, we've I think we covered a lot. we covered a lot of topics. Yeah. You guys went to a lot of different areas that I think, uh, you know, listen, it, it's all about having a plan. We talk a lot about on my show and my TV show and radio show. It's, it's, it's about having a plan. It's, it's whether, no matter how old you are or when you're going to... Uh, start or not start investing you got to have a plan and what's the purpose of the plan so it doesn't have to be the same thing you can carve out different strategies so i might want to save some money to buy a house now if i'm a younger person so we 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 invest that money differently than we would this is going to be for 30 years down the road right so it's designing a plan and that's the key to any successful person in finance in their finance is having a plan sticking to it and knowing that this plan's got to work under the worst case scenarios see anybody can invest in the market in the last 14 years and and be successful it's when when the stuff happening like today how does your plan stack up it's got to work under the worst case scenarios so i would say to everybody listening out there the key is have a plan stick to it and make and it'll work for you make sure you're working with a fiduciary that's number one the number one question you want to work with is a fiduciary and they'll design a plan that's for your best interests 
over their own and you'll be successful with that. I think I think just people just learning that today yeah. is plan. absolutely huge. You can't just wing it. Everybody no. likes to wing it today. I know. You can't just wing it. It's a wing it generation. It's, it's there's too much stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> to wing it in this side of your life, wing it in everything else. Right. You know where you're going for dinner t a Friday night. Wing you it. can wing that. You can't wing investments. This is no, an economic true. planet. That's exactly. True. So would you come back again? Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever, this was great, whatever you right? want me, I'll come back. Yeah. Awesome. Good. That was All a great right. way to end it too. With that note. Awesome. Thank you guys yeah. for having me. No, thanks, Thank you, John. John. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Okay, we're out.